There we go. So we'll be in 1 John. And uh, it's good to be back. I think any day now we'll be back in the auditorium. Uh, I sort of say that every week, but any day now we'll be back. But um, maybe as long as our theme is closer than a brother, God will keep us here. Uh, and then once the theme ends in December, maybe uh, we'll have a new theme like uh, like spreading out for God or something. And then, then we'll be able to go back. I don't know. But... Uh, for now, we're in here, and uh, it's good to be back. It's, uh, we had midweek last week, Tuesday, and uh, for those that don't know, we are doing two types of gifts this year. We're going to do money in the jar for Miss Kathy. Uh, Miss Kathy's collecting money for gifts for our kids, but then we also thought it might be special for our kids to be able to give as well. So we're working on some, uh, uh, some different details for a toy drive for our kids to be able to buy gifts for kids who won't be getting that many gifts this year. So keep that in the works. Keep that in mind as well, which is a pretty awesome idea. And um, even as we kind of go into this season of uh, capitalism and, um, and marketing and, and all that types of stuff, it's good to kind of keep the spirit of giving in our hearts alive. So amen for that. But in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 is where we'll start. You know, the book of 1 John is an interesting one. Have you ever read 1 John? It's the same thing with his gospel. Uh, it's just kind of a different one. In fact, the four, of the four Gospels, three Gospels are called synoptic Gospels. And synoptic means sin, uh, one, optic, view. Those are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are all similar. And then you read John, and you're kind of like, this one's a little different. Uh, and you kinda, it definitely stands out as a different sort of Gospel. Uh, John's epistles, um, whether written by John or not, they they'd also stand out. Uh, they're either written by him or they're written by a guy named the Elder John. Either way, it's a very different type of book. And one of the things that John does in his book is he repeats uh, himself quite a lot. Have you ever, maybe as you've already seen on Sundays, we've been going through these texts, you can kind of feel like, okay, we already, we've already covered this, uh, uh, John. He doesn't write in a linear way like we write today where you go, you know, okay, I've established this premise. Now I can expand, establish new premise, expand new premise. That's how most writing happens today. That's, that was not really an ancient way of writing per se. And John employs an ancient way of writing called amplification. And so what he does with light, love, and truth, they have three opposites, as you could probably guess. Darkness, uh, hatred, and light, uh, lies or deceit. And so what he does is he highlights light and dark, right? If you want to walk in the light, do this. But if you're, if you're doing this, you're probably walking in the dark. Then he highlights love and hate. This is what it means to love, and this is also what it looks like to hate. And then truth and lies. And then dark and love. And then light and lies. And then dark and truth. And then, so he does all these things, right? And he does it really to amplify so you can get one thing across. One thing can get past your brain right now that's being distracted by all the different things you've got to do. John just wants to get one thing through into your heart and your brain, which is that right there. Which is what does it mean to, to be in the light? What does it mean to be uh, full of love? And what does it mean to know the truth? And he also attacks something that's very sensitive in all of us, which is uh, the, the middle ground. Uh, I heard recently, you know, we've used the term often in our family of church, churches called kingdom kids, which is a, a kid who grew up in the, in the church. But um, there's no real, that's not really a word in the Bible at all. I mean, I, I, I know what we mean. But it's interesting when you're a kingdom kid, you can kind of feel like, and I was, I was one of these, I grew up in, in our family of churches, and I grew up going to church, as a lot of us did growing up. But you can sort of feel like, oh, I'm good. But the question is, no, are you not, not are you like good or are you a kingdom kid? The question is, are you in the light? Are you full of love? Do you have his love? And are you, do you know the truth? 
And there's no, there's no kingdom kids. There's, are you in the kingdom or are you out of the kingdom? There's really, there's a line. You're either in or you're out. Uh, are you a disciple or are you not? Are you faithful or are you not? And uh, we love to get toward the, the mushy middle of mediocrity in terms of these things. Well, I could do better. And yeah, I've had some good moments in life, but also some bad ones. And John is trying to blow that up in his family of churches, which are these house churches in Western modern day Turkey. He's trying to help them see that, listen, don't get sucked into uh, the, the, the mean. Don't get sucked into that mushy middle. Uh, he's trying to remind them of the, the, the high calling. And I don't know about you, but the high standard can be, it can be easy to kind of water that down, especially because in the first half of the book, what John does is he compares God to one thing, light. God is light. God's only compared to two things, and they're both in this book, by the way. Uh, God is, and we'll talk about other one in a second, but God is light. And one of the things about light is it exposes. And so when we walk in the light, uh, we begin to become aware of our shortcomings. And so a lot of us begin to walk in the light. And that's kind of how we walk. We begin to walk in the light and we kind of become aware of our shortcomings. And one of the things that we become aware of uh, when, we, when we walk in the light is how much we really fall short. And John, John tells us through the Holy Spirit some different, some different indicators uh, of what it means to be in the darkness. One is no confession. Uh, this is a really big one because confession is something we get really squirrely with. Um, I can do a lot of mental gymnastics over confession. Uh, should I confess? And, oh, I'll just confess to God privately and then I'll be okay. Or, or I'll confess, but I'll confess to that one guy who's really, really nice. Yeah. Or I'll confess, but I'll kind of confess uh, in, a, in a way that, that paints me in a very positive light. Yeah. And I, can, I struggle a lot with outright confession um, because it, it's, it's very humbling, which I think is hard. Uh, but, but it's also, if it's a good indicator of, are we walking in the light? Is there exposure? Or are we hiding things? And if you're hiding things, if you're not, if you're not confessing to people, by the way, you're not confessing to people for forgiveness, God grants forgiveness, but you're confessing your sins to each other so that you can be healed, but so that also you can walk in the light. Right. And so there, there's, a, there's a purpose behind it, to people so that you can be open and honest. And we've all had that time where we've had this sin in our heart where uh, it just... It just it dogs you, it pains you, and then you can really have a great conversation about it with somebody else in the light of grace and in the light of truth. Yeah. And afterwards, you're just like, oh, amen. You know, you can, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a breath of fresh air that happens right. with confession. Something else is an indicator of walking in the darkness is you hate your fellow disciple. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't like to use the word hate. We say, I just strongly dislike them. You know, right? Uh, nice little get around that one. But no, I, no, remember? Dark, light, love, hate. Like, if you don't love, then you hate. And so John's trying to help us see that too. How about our relationships with each other? And then lastly, the indicator he says, and this was preached about recently, was do you love the world? Yeah. What's your response toward the world, toward materialism, uh, toward money, uh, toward uh, affections perhaps of a significant other, a romantic relationship? Uh, what, how do you view the world? If you love the world, if you're not confessing, if you hate your fellow disciple, you are in the darkness. And this is what John's trying to help people see. But once again, I don't know about you, but when I read all three of those, I go, yikes, how about me? How, how's my confession really going? Uh, how's, how's my perspective toward other disciples? Like, I don't think I hate anybody, but then again, like, am I, am I holding back my love from them? And, and, and do I love the world? Am I pulled into the comfortability of my, my lifestyle a bit too much? And so when we, when we get sucked into this, and John knows this, but he calls us to walk in the light, and as we strive to walk in the light, no matter where we are this morning, whether we're trying to 
become a disciple, trying to make the decision to commit to Jesus fully, or whether we've already made that commitment, we've repented in the past, and perhaps we've just we've, we've hit that mushy middle recently or in the past few years of our lives, what does it really mean for us to walk in the light but to also deal with, with stumbling? And so what happens when we fall? And that's, as we transition to the next, the second half of the book of John, it's all about what happens when we fall. Not if, but when. We, will, we all fall, we're all people, we all struggle. Yeah. And uh, some of us actually, I think, uh, I found this, I thought it was pretty funny. But some of us, when we fall, we, we stumble a bit, but some of us really fall. I know I can really fall epically yeah. and kind of have these big dramatic uh, uh, you know, struggles. We can kind of end up being like this kid here. Kind of getting dragged around, uh, like you're hanging on, like you're barely hanging on, you know. Uh, you're barely hanging on there, and you're like, some of us stumble, but some of us really stumble, I guess. Um, and so now we begin the second half of the book of John, of First John, and we're going to transition from God is light to God is love. And God knows our hearts, and of course, when we walk in the light, what do we do? We go, oh no, I'm not enough. Oh, okay, we're going to look at my performance. This is no good for me, uh, because I, I'm aware of all these things that I've, I've done. We can have a guilty conscience. Uh, we can have a deceived conscience. Really, the two ways we can respond, most of us respond to sin in two ways. We sin and we go, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I can do that all day. I could... Doesn't matter. We're deceived about what it's really doing to us. Right. Uh, arrogance is another way to say that one. Or you're guilty. You sin and you have a guilty conscience and accused conscience, and you you beat yourself up and you go, "I can't go to midweek. I can't go to church. I can't. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a disciple. I'm a liar. Who am I?" And we can kind of we kind of uh, retreat back into ourselves. And so uh, the Holy Spirit knows that the battleground for all of us this week and in our lives uh, is in our hearts. Uh, and so first of all, we have to. We have to look at God theologically accurately by saying God is light, and then we move on to God ethically or God in our everyday life, which is God is love. Yeah. So if we dive into our lesson this morning, um, the title is my, of my lesson is How Deep Is Your Love, which is a great Bee Gees song. I recently sang it at a karaoke event with um, Alex Hernandez, and that was quite I say a karaoke event, um, it, was a, it was at our camp. And uh, it was just us in the cafeteria, so um, by ourselves. So uh, a karaoke event uh, with Alex and I. Even our wives left at one point, which was really sad. Um, and I hit, and I was hitting that, I was hitting that Barry Gibb falsetto too. I was hitting it real nice. For some reason, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, no, it's still be too distracting. Okay, how deep is your love, young people? Google it, YouTube it. How deep is your love? Great song uh, by the Bee Gees. But uh, the title of my lesson is, How Deep Is Your Love? 1 John 3.11. Let's start reading. Enough talking. Start reading. The Bible reads, For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. There it is again, that beginning, that word John loves. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil. Because his own actions were evil. And his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. 
The literal Greek is butcher. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a butcher. And you know that no butcher has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possession and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Can I get an amen to that one? I'm going to read it again. I like that one a lot. Dear friends, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. And amen to that one. That's a great one too. God is greater than our hearts. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive Him uh, from Him anything we ask because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is another, uh, and this is His command, to believe in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in Him and He in them. And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. You see this balancing act going on because John's trying to call his people to to obedience and to live a life of obedience. Um, Many of us have have sat down in in an environment where we're we're having a Bible study. And uh, one of the things our church really loves to do, and I think it's a great thing, it's changed my life, is personal Bible studies, uh, which really are focused on you, uh, which are not necessarily the status quo in most groups uh, or most churches. And one of the things that helps is it actually helps shed light on that one person. Um, but it's uncomfortable uh, because anytime we look at our conduct, we can get uh, insecure. Yeah. And what I know about you, but I, I always feel the need to kind of defend myself. Uh, and so I can get defensive or I can kind of walk, I don't know, I'm even, even I'm not even aware of it sometimes. I can, I can even convince myself, I'm just trying to give them the full picture. <laughs> but maybe I really enjoy a little bit of, of trying to like defend myself a bit too. But one of the things that's so great about those Bible studies is it allows there to be great personal and great, highly intentional and highly specific calls and challenges into our lives. And I needed that 15 years ago uh, to help me see that being like, just because I grew up in church didn't mean nothing. That I needed to actually on, repent. I needed to make this decision for myself and I needed to walk in the light. And I needed to actually make this, make this life my own and to deny myself and carry my cross on my own accord. Uh, and so I needed those times. And I still need, basically, I still, uh, honestly, highly specific times with myself where people can ask me questions and people can get into my heart because our hearts are deceitful. Our hearts are tricky places. And all of us, we all have different hearts, by the way, and how our hearts uh, respond to sin. But one of the things that I think is similar in all of us is that when we see our shortcomings, there's some level of insecurity that happens. Yeah. Some level of insecurity. And we can look to defend ourselves like maybe a, I would. We can look to medicate the pain. We can, um, when something happens in our lives and we sin and we fail and we know it and we have guilt or we have shame, we can look to medicate the pain through social media or trying to like get, get um, a validation and affection online by having people like a, most, you know, a, a post we put up recently. It sounds funny, it's silly, but it's real. 
I'm like, okay, I am accepted. I am real. We can go to video games and just drown ourselves in hours of video games to try to find some sort of fake masculinity or fake heroism uh, in those things. Uh, we can go to sexual impurity. We yeah. can go to friends in the world. We can go to relationships in the world. We can go to academics. We all know the different things we can go to simply because we're insecure that we're not enough and we have to become enough by pursuing something else. Right. Yeah. Right. And this is actually what happens with Cain. John never, John, John, remember John, he's a little different. He doesn't really mention the Old Testament that much, which is unique for a church full of what we believe are Jews. But he mentions one story from the Old Testament. He goes, y'all remember Cain. And Cain's one of those names. It's like Jezebel, you know, it's like one of those names, like, uh, you know, it's not like a name where you don't think, oh, Cain, what a sweet name, you know, especially if it's spelled, you know, that same way. Uh, But Cain is a guy, right, who's asked to be generous to God and, along with Abel, and uh, Abel gives. Uh, Cain also gives, but Abel gives uh, generously, apparently, and Cain does not. And what happens? Remember what happens with God and Cain? God, you know, Cain gets a little insecure uh, because he begins to compare himself to his brother. Yeah. And uh, he, becomes, he begins to get jealous. And so he kills his brother, Abel. Uh, he becomes a butcher. He becomes a murderer, uh, all because of this, this seed that was sown in his heart of insecurity yeah. and anger and jealousy and guilt and shame. And he becomes something that I'm sure Cain never thought uh, the, 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 the direct uh, kid of Adam and Eve. Something that I thought Cain would probably never think he would become a murderer. You ever been in a place with sin where you go, how did I get here? Yeah. How did it get this bad? How? And you, you kind of analyze, like, where did I go wrong? Like, I think last week I was doing pretty well. <laughs> I think yesterday I was doing pretty well, and, and today, where, the depths of this, and, and you can be kind of shocked and amazed at, at your own depth of sin. Um, and this is probably where Cain was, and remember, God says that great sentence to Cain, you know, sin is crouching at your door, it desires to have you, but you must master it. And for all of us, we have to realize uh, that sin is crouching at our door. It desires to have us, and no matter how well we're doing, or how well people are telling us we're doing, sin is still always crouching at our door. That's right. And it desires to have us. And we can't ever get too big for our britches on that one. We can't ever think, well, I've been a Christian for this long. That's no longer, that no longer applies to me. We can't think, well, I just don't struggle with that. You know, we can't think, you know what? I did, my previous church, I was, I was like in charge of the worship and I led a small group. And so I'm, I'm pretty good. We can't ever let our performance be the, uh, the basis of our validation. Because at, at the worst, it inflates our pride. Um, and another, I mean, another worse, I guess, not really best. They're both worsts. Uh, you know, one, it inflates our pride in one stance. In the other stance, it makes our depths even lower. Because when those things are taken away, when that boyfriend is inevitably taken away from you, when that job is taken away, uh, we're, we're decimated and we're destroyed. Yeah. And man, Cain became like this symbol of evil in the Old Testament. And I think we forget how, how deep and how real evil can be. It's easy to see sometimes, but in terms of the darkness and the darkness in our world, uh, we usually begin to see two things. One is guilt and shame, and the other is jealousy. Because jealousy is really, uh, I don't have what this other person has, and I'm angry at them because they have that. Their kid seems to be doing really well, and my kid is not not doing so well. Or uh, they are married and I'm still not married. Or they 
uh, seem to kind of have everything go well for them. And, you know, I keep getting sick. Why can't I be healthy? Why are they, why are they always healthy and I'm sick? And it could be anything, right? And we can get jealous. We can get shameful and get guilty about our sin. And we stop confessing. And this is where Satan wants to go for all of us. Because this is the beginning of every evil deed that's ever been committed. It's right here. I remember them interviewing this uh, serial uh, rapist and murderer uh, before he was killed on death row. And they asked him, how did you get to this point? How did you get to be so awful, so evil? You know, we can see people like that and go, that's disgusting. How could you ever do something like that? And he goes, you know, it started with pornography. And it just wow. kept getting worse and worse That's and right. worse and more and more and deeper and longer and just got, it was a, a continual lust for more, like Ephesians says, right? Yeah. It, it begins right here. And this is Satan's great plan for all of us. Yeah. We can sit here and go, I'm, not, I'm doing okay, I'm not really struggling. And then in a week or a month or a year, we're gone. That's right. Yeah. And either we've done something that we can't live with, right? Uh, and we're just too guilty and too shameful and we're too embarrassed. Uh, or we just can't, we can't stand each other because everyone angers us. Right. Everyone makes us angry. Your brothers and sisters who should be your family make us angry because all we, just, all we can feel is our own jealousy and our own envy of what we don't have. And this is a, a very real evil that's inside of us. But it's also a very real evil that's out there too. That's right. Sometimes we see it out there. And, you know, we, last week or two, we've been aware of this evil. Uh, you know, what happened in Pittsburgh. Uh, which was a shooting at a synagogue. You know, our, our sister church in Pittsburgh meets on Sundays at a synagogue. And even the, the, the chance, like, that that could, have, that could have been them. A lot of us know people that are up there, brothers and sisters that used to be here. They're now in Pittsburgh. And, and uh, you know, it's a, I think it was a, a naming ceremony or something like that for, for, uh, for, for a young Jewish person. And there's a shooting. And you can go, and it's, it's, it's awful. And, and, you know, you check, we, the, the church there is safe and everything. Um, but you go, man, what if, what, if that was, what if that was really them? What if they were hurt? What if it was us? And we know this a little bit too well being in Charlottesville. Yeah. We know about what happened in Charlottesville, what's gone on. We know about uh, the, the young lady who died here. We know about Orlando and what happened. There was 49 killed in Orlando and 53 injured at that nightclub. You know, in Pittsburgh, 11 were killed and 7 injured. And then Vegas, 58 killed and 851 injured. And these things keep happening, and, it keeps, and it's sad when shootings that are only a couple people don't make the news anymore. Right, right. There was a shooting recently with two people died. It didn't make the, the news. That's not bad enough. Even in our society, things aren't like, we've got to keep... Wow. Like, we can't nowadays, you can't even make a superhero movie that's not like, you know, pushing the, the limit of PG-13. It has right. to be R. Like, right. our whole, like, conscience as a society keeps getting more egregious. Yeah. And we can go, oh, it's just the way it is. Or we can say, we can be, we stop being alarmed by it. Yeah. Wow. And we stop going light and darkness and we go, oh, there's a lot of gray there. There's a lot of gray. Wow. And, and if there's evil in the world and we can see it and we can hate it. And we can even be overwhelmed by it because it's deep. Right. The, t- the, the type of evil that it takes to plan something like that, the amount of time it takes to be able to plan something like that, to take lives. And it's not just one t- uh, people. I mean, it's, all these different types of people are being included in this. There's just evil out there in the world. Right. And I've been reminded of it too. Hey, Tuesday's midterms. Who's voting? You know, like voting's a great thing. I love voting, but man, I can't last. I think yesterday we were watching TV. It was three straight minutes of negative ads. Yeah. yeah. It was one and then the other and then negative and then negative and negative and negative. And then um, like 
I was like, wow, it's just, I forgot what this is like. Everything's negative. I'm like, it's not about what you're doing. It's about how awful and horrible and evil and the spawn of Satan the other person is. Yeah. <laughs> and our political climate is like that. It's like it only really works. Like you can't even elect a moderate candidate. It's not extreme enough. Right. You have to have someone extreme to get votes. Yeah. That's our society. Yeah. Whether right, I'm not saying one side is right or wrong. It's politics. I mean, it, it, ain't, it ain't Jesus. All right? Jesus right. is our Lord. Politics is great, but there's no answer in politics. No, right. It can help. It can do a lot of great things. It can serve. It can, it can be an outlet for Jesus. But it ain't Jesus. But here's the thing. All signs are pointing to our society getting more and more and more extreme and polarized and violent and sexual and aggressive. And, it, and then you look at John and you go, man, that evil, I can see it in the world. But you know what? That evil is not new. And that evil, I think this, the, the call for all of us is to see that that evil yep. is not just out there. It's oh, also God. within us. Yeah. And it's, it's easy to get uh, alarmed <coughs> at what's going on out there, but not alarmed at what's going on in here. Wow. Yeah. When's the last time you confessed? Come on, Drew. We're not alarmed by our sin anymore. We go, eh, that's just me. Mm-hmm. Or, eh, we don't. Do we confess faithlessness? Do we confess even the little things? Uh, you know, do we talk about relationships? And we've had some great conversations over the past few months. We're, we're getting closer than a brother, amen. We're, and that, that begins with some, some conversations, but with some shining some light on how we really feel about each other. And that's good. It's hard sometimes. It's hard to be in those conversations, but it's good. And for all of us, the world hates in a very deep way way and uh, the world is evil but that evil is also in ourselves Um, it's a highly intentional hate but it's a hate that's come from what does John say from the beginning this evil has been attacking us since the beginning but you know what's great about you know what's great about the Bible is that God is as Theron shared earlier he is omnipotent right he is all powerful he is omnipotent and well, God is not unaware of this struggle. And just like Cain uh, gets to a place where he has, he's alarmed and amazed at what he's done and he's killed his brother, uh, someone who should have been the light of God committed, became a butcher, and he killed the son of Adam. Adam. Uh, just as Cain killed the son of Adam, all of us, uh, we actually killed uh, the second Adam. And we became butchers in that way. Yeah. And we can look at Cain, we can look at the world and go, ah, it's not me, but it is us. Yeah. We butchered Jesus. Right. Actually, it was, it was, we actually sang it earlier. I love when this happens. We sang these very lyrics earlier. Abel's blood for vengeance pleads to the skies, but the blood of Jesus for our pardon cries. And I thought, wow, that's, that's, what, that's what happened is Abel was killed, you know, and Cain was punished. He had to leave, go settle east of Eden, right, in the land of Nod. Cain had to leave. He was banned. He was banished. His name forever a blight on society. We kill wow. someone greater than Abel. We kill the second Adam, and we're accepted. Wow. You know, the only way to battle hatred that is so deep is to have love that is deeper. Yeah, that's right. We can't fight fire with fire, church. Yeah. We cannot fight hate with hate. We can't fight sin in our heart with more sin. You can't replace uh, your sin with more, different sin. You can't replace your sexual purity with, I've been sexually pure for 31 days. Well, now you've replaced your purity with pride. Congratulations on that one. 
Uh, we cannot replace purity. Uh, we can't replace sin with sin. We can't. Re- we we, we got to be able to fight fire with water. I love the quote: "When tempted to fight fire with fire, I remember that the fire department generally uses water." Uh, I love that. One of my favorite quotes is the Mark Walsh quote right there. The fire department uses water, right? But so he's a fireman. He didn't say it, but he's a fireman. I'm sure he said it before. But this idea of like we gotta we gotta we gotta be outraged and we gotta fight back just as hard. And they're negative, we're gonna be negative. And they're evil, though we're gonna be just as. Well, you know, the only way to, to fight evil is to do it with deeper love. Yeah. Yep. And that's why Jesus changes our lives. That's what he says here. Actually, he says it in verse 16. He says, this is how we know what love is. This is how we define love. In the original uh, Greek, uh, it's actually, he says, says, this is how we know what love is. The perfect form of this verb, to to have known, uh, indicates that what's in mind for the author, for the writer, is a, a historical past completed action. And so when he talks about, this is how, we have already been taught what love is, is what he's saying. You guys know what love is. You've been taught about him. Yeah. It's Jesus. That's right. And so as you grapple, and, he, and John knew his church was struggling with insecurity. He knew his church was being told, you don't have the real truth. His church was being told, you're not enough. His church was being told, you don't have, you're, not as, you're not good enough yet. You've been a Christian for a few years, but you're not there yet. What's wrong? And John goes, don't let them do that. You know about Jesus. Right. And you know what? That completed action of the past, that is historical, it is real, it is practical. It's not abstract in general. It's really easy for us to say that we love in general. Uh, all of us can say, I love mankind. That's easy, right? It's much harder to love your brother and sister here. Right. And so even John says that. He goes, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. And what should we do? We should help out our brother and sister with material possession. Here. I... I don't know, the, the laying down your life thing sounded harder. What do you mean, just give some material possession? But John's trying to help them see what Jesus did was highly practical and intentional, and we got to love the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even if, it, even if it looks little or seems small, it's still love and it still goes deep. Mm-hmm. And that is even just helping out our brothers and sisters with money, helping out our brothers and sisters with housing, helping them out in, with material possession. And we have to be reminded of that because we leave a sermon like this and we go, yeah, I love everybody, but then we don't love in reality. We don't love practically. We leave here and we go, yeah, I love everybody, but then we just we continue uh, to not actually live out any kind of love. I've mentioned this a lot, but C.S. Lewis always says, stop worrying about whether you're a loving person or not and go love somebody. Stop thinking, well, I don't know, what triggers my lack of love? You know, I, I don't know, but go love somebody. What really gets me? It's important to know those things, right? I'm not saying don't know those things. I'm saying if it's preventing you from actually having a highly practical love, the little things really matter. Mm. The little things really matter. And Jesus, the most amazing thing about Jesus' death for us is that it was, we, we killed him. But the beautiful thing about what happened was, is instead of being rejected, like all of our insecurity is, right? Our fear when we sin is we're going to be rejected. Jesus chose to embrace us even amongst that fear. And so we never have any reason not to confess. What's the worst that could happen? Maybe the other person doesn't take it well. Who cares how they take it? You are accepted by Christ. That's right. You confess and maybe you seem a little, maybe it's like it's embarrassing, right? You know, but, but Jesus scorning the cross, scorning its shame. 
right? Hebrews right. says Jesus, he became shameful for us. We can, we can allow that to happen for ourselves. We can share some things that might be embarrassing. Because the reality is, is that the thing that changed everything for us was not an adherence to a code or a standard or obedience. We all wanted to become disciples when we saw Jesus. Right? Yeah. Really and honestly, when we saw what love was, which was Jesus, it changed us. Because that love is deeper than the sin of our hearts. And so the only way we're going to fight the sin of the world, the only way we're going to fight the sin in our own hearts, is through love. Um, so to close out, Jesus is the model. What does he say here? He says, uh, we ought. We ought to follow in his steps, right? We ought to follow. If anyone has, uh, I think it's verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Uh, I was talking to someone who's from an evangelical church recently, and he was saying one of the, the struggles with a lot of evangelicals is the word ought. Because grace is, oh, God's grace. Okay, that's it. But what about what, about what you ought to do now? Right. What should you ought to do? The oughts are hard. Yes, they are. Really, it's the word should. So in light of what Jesus has done, what should you do? It's a hard, right? But, it, but it's, it's, it's what must happen if we really have been affected by Christ. Yep. Right. And the one way to know, Drew, you're talking a lot about this love stuff, and it just sounds kind of abstract and ethereal. How do I really know? How's your highly practical love been? Have you been loving others recently? And it may not seem like much, but you showing up to midweek is loving others. Because other people are there, you showing up and sitting next to somebody and saying, hi, what's your name? Nice to meet you. You initiating a coffee time. You calling to, to confess. You calling to get advice. There's, there's ways to love. How's our love been? Because the reality is, if we haven't been living out love, it's an indicator that we probably don't really know what love is. Now, we get weird on this one because this is the fruit on the tree thing, right? The fruit on the tree does not cause life in the tree. It indicates life in the tree. So we go, oh, okay, I got to go do all this stuff in order to be loving. And this is where Jesus is so incredible. the, The challenge is just to be able to really know Jesus. And the more you see him, the more you see what you ought to do the more you see what you should do. And my challenge for us this morning is to listen to that. I ought to do this. I should do this. Go after that with all your heart because it's coming from a place of seeing Jesus. But the indicator is a good way to know. How have you been doing these last few weeks? Where's your heart? This is the model, right? And how do we really grade our hearts? And we can't really rely on our consciences. The world loves to say, well, just don't ever abuse your conscience. Man, my conscience is nuts. You would not want me to follow my conscience. I always tell someone that, right? They're like, oh, just follow your conscience. And I say, how about I kill your wife? Is that cool? They're like, no, it's not cool. And I say, well, my conscience says me to do, tells me to do it, so we're okay with that. And he goes, no, that, that's, that's wrong. No, why is it wrong? You just said follow my conscience. Because that's clearly, why is it clear? Right? We can't just go toward our consciences. We've got to have the truth. Yeah. We've got to have the right model. We've got to go toward what the Bible says. Well, I want to find my own. I want to figure out my own. Sure, go ahead and do it, but what makes you think you're different than one of the billions and trillions of people who've lived before? Everyone will fail. Everyone will find out there's no real way to, to, to find validation and acceptance in life without Jesus Christ. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And I've got to tell you, church, like for me personally, when, 
I, as I get older, I feel like I can get more guilty with my sin. When I, was, when I was younger, I was like, oh, I sinned. God forgives me. Let's keep going. You know, now I'm like, it really hits me hard. Yeah. Now, and I think it's, as I get older, I see the depth of my sin. Yeah. I see the intricacies of it I haven't seen before. And the more I see my sin, the more I fall in love with Jesus. Yeah. Because I go, wait, I never knew that when I said Jesus is Lord when I was 14 and got baptized. I know it now, but you know, Jesus knew that. Yeah. And even though I didn't quite understand the depth of my sin yet, or what it would be one day, Jesus did. Yeah. And he still went down. I was a butcher. I'm, and there's, guess what? I'm still going to sin. It's not just, hey, you know, start fresh. No. It's like we still have a whole life of sin ahead of us. Now, we're not going to sprint toward it, but we're going to stumble. Being, living in the light is tough. Yeah. And, but Jesus is accept. The more we can be, the more we can see that and it's true and it overflows in our hearts, yeah. the yeah. easier it is for all. And you know what? Then nothing becomes a problem. Yeah. Well, how do you... How do, you, how do you know when to become a Christian? If you don't know, you don't know. When you see Jesus, you'll know. Well, how should, we, how should we share our faith? I don't know. Figure it out. When you see Jesus, you'll know. How should you have a quiet time? I don't know, man. Look at Jesus, and then you'll know. Those things become really easy, and then you know what we can say? We're just like Paul in Galatians 2.20, right? I died to that law. Now Christ lives in me. And I live every day for Christ, and not the law. Yeah. And that can become real for us. And Jesus becomes not just the model to follow, but he becomes the means. Whoa. That Jesus is not just someone we should imitate, yeah. but he becomes the way to be able to find forgiveness. Forgiveness will not come through your performance. No. Forgiveness will not come through confession. No. Forgiveness will not come through, through yes. loving everyone as much as you can. Mm. Forgiveness comes right through Jesus Christ. Right. That's right. And the more we can see that, that he's not just the model, he is our means. Yeah. The more we can, we'll be able to change the world, but first, we can't change them until we change in here. Right. And we change in our hearts. And we can be able to forgive each other, forgive ourselves, because Christ forgave first. Mm-hmm. Uh, John's chief purpose at this point is to reassure his church that, the, that when they're most aware of their shortcomings in respect of God's standards, the love and mercy of the Father are present to heal their troubled consciences. Oh, I love that. I've got to read it again. And we'll close out with this. John's chief purpose at this point is to reassure his readers that when believers are most aware of their shortcomings, most aware of their shortcomings in respect to God's standards, the love and mercy of the Father are present to heal their troubled consciences. That is incredible. I need some Jesus to heal my conscience, to heal my troubled conscience. And we all need Jesus to be able to live lives and to have love that's deeper Love that's deeper than the hate of the world and the hate of our hearts. Yeah. Amen. We'll stand and close with a final song, and uh, we'll uh, move on to Pie Fest after that. Yes.